Well, if I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Christ the King. I want to welcome everybody here at the Bellingham campus. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us at our Ferndale campus and those who are joining us online. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been welcoming different groups from around the globe who've been watching online. And uh, I'm unbelievably thankful today. We want to welcome a group who watches every single week from Paraguay. That's a long way away. So can we welcome uh, our brothers and sisters in Paraguay today? We're glad that you're here. One very brief announcement. We're doing a prayer gathering tonight at 6 o'clock. If you're an intercessor, you just love to pray. I'd like to invite you to come at 6 o'clock tonight here at the Bellingham campus. And uh, we're just going to have a wonderful time of prayer, just asking God to continue to do His work in our church. We've been doing a series called Big Words. I want to review very quickly to catch you up to speed. It's, it almost feels like summer, right? I broke out the flip-flops again. If you're new to Christ the King, please stay out of my direct line of shot when I'm walking. I've been known to launch a flip-flop and hurt people, okay? So just part the waters, kind of let me get on through till I get back adjusted again. But as we go into summer, people, you know, they start taking breaks, they start moving around, which is fantastic. want you to be able to do that, but also know there's a need for you to catch up at times. So let me review all the words we've touched on so far. We started with salvation, and we simply defined it as Jesus saves Then we jumped into the word propitiation, which is summarized with Jesus takes. He took the wrath of God so we didn't have to. A couple of weeks ago, we did redemption, where Jesus paid, paid the ransom for us so that we could be set free. And last week, we talked about justification, summarized it with two words, that Jesus stands. And because Jesus stands perfect before his Father, we can stand under the banner of those who've been justified, and it's just as if I'd never sinned. This week, we're going to look at regeneration, and we're going to turn a bit of a corner because we're going to move from the work that Jesus has done to the work of the Holy Spirit. And I would summarize regeneration with three words, Holy Spirit revives. So far, Jesus has been the star of the series. Now we're going to shift the focal point to the Holy Spirit, and just so you know, that's not going to make Jesus mad, okay? Jesus and the Holy Spirit are not in competition with each other. Jesus is not going to get all twisted up like we do when somebody else gets the attention, okay? Jesus is not going to unfriend the Holy Spirit on Facebook after we turn and put our focal point on the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus is excited that the Holy Spirit's going to get involved in these moments. We'll start by saying this. The truth and the tragedy of Easter is that on Good Friday, Jesus is dead. He didn't pass out from the pain. He didn't swoon because of dehydration. He didn't lapse into the mercy of unconsciousness because of the weight of our sin on his perfect life. No, Jesus was dead. Let me explain it another way. Jesus was dead. Does everybody understand? Until Sunday morning when the all-consuming power of God in its force, its perfection, its purity, and its power breathed life back into The body of Jesus and what was once dead and cold and lifeless was revived and renewed and made perfect in an act of pure resurrection power. And that life was the hope of the world, is the hope of the world, and forever will be the hope of the world. 8.30, are you with me? Are we awake this morning? Just a little bit, okay? Jesus came back to life so that all people who were spiritually dead could have a new genesis, a new start, a new life. And we don't like talking about it, but it's unbelievably true. Okay, here's the the bad news of the morning. We were all spiritually dead. 
Let's be honest. We don't like talking about anything remotely associated with dying. We don't even like, like using the word dead. We come up with other words that are nicer, like deceased, right? Or departed, or they just went home. Because we don't like talking about death. It's an uncomfortable topic for all of us. Nobody likes looking forward to death unless you're in a deep amount of pain. Then it might be welcome. But for most of us, we spend our whole life avoiding death. True? I mean, we don't like talking about it. But here it comes, okay? Here comes the nugget for today. Forget about being dead someday. The Bible says we're all dead already. That's what it says. The Bible says because the wages of sin is death, we're already dead because we've all been slaves to sin. Don't believe me? This is the Apostle Paul speaking in Titus 3. He says this, At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. This verse used to tick me off. I'm just like, Paul, who do you think you are? That's not a good description of me. I, I don't hate anybody. Not much. Except maybe when they cut me off, then I'd hate them just for a second. But that's not really that bad, right? It used to bother me that Paul would label us this way until I noticed that he actually includes himself in the equation. Do you notice that he says we? We were all dead in our sins. Paul goes on in the book of Ephesians. He says this in Ephesians 2. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time. All of us. Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest of us, we were by nature objects of wrath. Paul's just driving the point here. We're all sinners, which means we're all spiritually dead. Now, don't get freaked out. Don't forget last week. Because we need to remember that Jesus doesn't see us as condemned sinners if we know him as our personal Savior. Instead, he sees us through the lens of the perfection of his Son because we stand under the banner of those who have been justified. It's just as if we'd never, ever sinned before. That's incredibly good news. The reality is we're all spiritually dead. That's what Paul says. We're stained by sin. And when you're stained by sin, you have a problem. I mean, let's face it. We like to pretend that this is the way we come to God, right? Lily white, pristine, all pressed. There's a few creases, but for the most part, we're just good, right? Wonderful. Can I show you our reality? There you go. Aren't you glad you came to church today? That's so encouraging. You know, the reality is we don't come lily white. We come stained. We come stained because we're all spiritually dead. When you're spiritually dead, this is the next point in your outline, here's a truth I think we can all agree on. We all need to be revived. John chapter 3, Romans 7, Romans 8. I listed a bunch of scripture there so you can go and check it out on your own. When you're spiritually dead, you need someone to revive you. I mean, even in the natural world, if you go down with a heart attack, you need somebody with a knowledge of CPR, a defibrillator, and hopefully 911 on speed dial. That's what you need when you're having a heart attack. Because I don't know if you noticed or not, you can't CPR yourself. You can't shock yourself. You can't even do that really cool thing that everybody wants to do when, you know, when they get the paddles out and they rub them together and they go, clear, right? 
always wanted to do that. Always wanted to zap somebody. It'd just be fun, right? It's a twisted part of my nature, okay? You need help. You need intervention. You need regeneration. You need a new life to be placed back in you. I'm going to define regeneration this way. Regeneration is the work of the Holy Spirit to renew and revive spiritually dead people. Okay? The work of the Holy Spirit to renew and revive spiritually dead people. Now, here's my worry about this particular topic. As soon as we start talking about regeneration, people tend to run into these different theological camps, and they get their theological shorts all in a knot, okay? Let me tell you what we're not going to do today. We're not going to take this topic and boil it down into an argument over which order it goes in. Not going to happen. Not on my watch. Okay? I'm going to say this right from the beginning. I don't care whether you think regeneration predates faith or comes after faith. I don't care whether you think you chose God or God chose you. It doesn't matter to me which circle you decide to paint yourself in. What I know to be true is this. I think it's a travesty when we take these beautiful doctrines from Scripture and we turn them into arguments with each other. I mean, there are some things that are worth fighting over. You want to scrap about the deity of Jesus? Let's go. This kind of stuff and the order of things... I think it's a travesty when we turn it into a, well, if, if, if you don't believe the way that I believe it, then I can't play in the same sandbox as you. I think that's wrong. I don't think that's a good response by turning this topic into a debate. And let me tell you why. On two different occasions in my life, I've had the, the opportunity to Heimlich somebody. Don't ask me why. Some of you go for an entire lifetime and you never have to do that. For some reason, I've had to Heimlich people on two different occasions. One time we were eating dinner at Homestead Restaurant in Linden. I heard my daughter say to my dad, Grandpa, are you okay? And I looked up and my dad was gray. And he was starting, his eyes were starting to roll back in his head and he was starting to slump down at the table. I jumped up, ran around behind him, grabbed him and pulled with everything that I had. Out came a piece of steak. And I heard, <gasps> and everybody felt better. Another time, Pastor J.D. and I were having lunch over here at Izzy's on the street corner. I wish it was still in Izzy's, just <laughs> so you know. Good chicken, all right? But we were there having lunch one day, and this elderly lady sitting in the booth behind us, all of a sudden I noticed her husband get up, and he was struggling to try and pull her up. And he was an elderly man. He couldn't lift her up. And I saw what was going on. I'm just like, you're here. you got to do something. Jumped up behind her, grabbed her from behind, pulled with every good piece of chicken started breathing again. You know, I was amazed. In both of those situations, when we were done, when the blockage was cleared, neither one of those two people turned and looked at me and said, you know what, um, that just didn't work for me because I took a Heimlich class one time, and you're supposed to like grab the person by the shoulders and say, can you speak? Can you speak? And if they give you the international sign of choking, then you go around behind them and grab by their sternum, and you pull really hard. They did not respond that way. When they composed themselves, they just said, thank you. I couldn't breathe. I was dying. I thought I was going to be dead, and you were here, and you just jumped in. I mean, it's not normally the way I introduce myself to people, right? I don't normally, you know, attack people from behind. 
I'm more of a front approach kind of a person, but they just, thank you, thank you. My friends, I think we need to understand this. We were dead, spiritually dead, and the Holy Spirit stepped in and revived us, and when we didn't have a chance, when we did not have a chance for living, He stepped in, and the proper response for us as regenerated people would not be to argue over the order, but to simply say, thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you for giving me an opportunity for new life because I was dead in my trespasses and sins. It's the next blank in your outline. Here's a beautiful truth. God renewed our souls. He renewed our souls. Titus 3 says this, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. God loves to make things new. You see it all the way through Scripture. We're, we're dead. We're stained. We like to convince ourselves that the white borders are really, really good, and we desperately need some kind of intervention. And our problem is this. We're just not that good. And every week, we just keep adding to the stain. I mean, it just keeps getting worse and worse. And pretty sure, soon, even the white corners are gone because we gossip and we sin and we, and we think about stuff that we shouldn't. And it just keeps getting darker and darker and darker. So what's our normal response? I got to do something good. I got to balance the scales. So we just do that. You know, we just kind of throw ourselves in and, and, and we think, this is going to take care of it. I'm going to do some really, really good stuff. I'm going to do more good stuff than bad stuff. It's going to be fine. And we're just kind of freaked out when instead of getting any cleaner, the world just seems to get murkier around us. It's like we're not contributing to the cleanliness of anything. It's like I tried really hard to clean myself up and I went from dark brown and black to purple. I mean, I'm the color of Barney. That's not good, right? That's a sin all by itself, right? It's just not working for us. And we're devastated. And then a moment comes when the Holy Spirit quickens inside of us something. New life that wasn't there before. We tried to clean up ourselves. It didn't work. We tried to resist God. We tried to push Him away. But undeniably, at a moment in our life, the Holy Spirit breathed life into a part of us that we thought was dead, and new life began. Just a tiny little bit. It's like a little spark. A spiritual renovation began to happen inside of us. Let me tell you what regeneration is. Regeneration is the theological term for a rebirth. It refers to, to a new generating, a new genesis, a new beginning. And it means so much more than just turning over a new leaf. Man, I hear that all the time. I, I'm turning over a new leaf. You know, it's the same old leaf. That's the bottom line. It's more than just turning over a new leaf. It's the beginning of a new life in a radically renewed person. You see, regenerate people, according to Scripture, they're new creations. That old stuff is gone. And where there was a time when we had no inclination or desire for the things of God. Now all of a sudden, instead of leaning away from God, saying, you stay over there, suddenly we're leaning in. 
there was a moment when we couldn't care less, but suddenly, because of a regeneration inside of our soul, suddenly we couldn't care more. And our world begins to be rearranged. Once this renewal is started, once the Holy Spirit does something that we can't do for ourselves because of this sin nature, once it's started, it's just the beginning. And I put in your outline that the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit actually paves the way for a whole bunch of new. A whole bunch of new. Let's walk through it together. It paves the way for a new beginning. Jesus declared, John 3, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. That's the moment of salvation. The moment of salvation. We're born once physically, and then we've got to be born again spiritually. Are you confused? No problem. You're in very good company. A guy by the name of Nicodemus, he was confused about this too, came to Jesus under the cover of night, and he freaked out when Jesus said, you have to be born again. He asked the question that's very logical, but that none of us, I think, would have the courage to ask. He goes, so I got to like get back involved with my mom again. Like that's just twisted and wrong, man. I mean, and it really is when you think about it. It's a logical question. Jesus explains to him, you don't have to be physically born again, but when you place your faith in Jesus and receive the salvation that he offers, you're born again spiritually. You have a new beginning. You're starting life once more because you're no longer spiritually dead. Now you're truly living in your fullness. Secondly, regeneration paves the way for a new creation. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old has gone, the new has come. I was walking in a grocery store the other day, just paying attention to all of the products that had the word new on the front of them, right? New Calgon, better than ever. New Tide, better than ever. New sugar substitute that tastes just like real sugar. My favorite one was new Irish spring soap that smells even more like a new spring day. You know, apparently the makers of Irish Spring don't know what a spring day smells like in Linden because you do not want to smell that way. <laughs> Just speaking the truth in love, all right? Here's the bottom line about all that stuff. It's not new. It's tweaked. It's just been modified a little bit. Let me say this with as much love as I can. Have you ever wondered why your Christian faith gets old really quick? Let me tell you why. It gets old because instead of embracing the new life God has for you, you're just trying to tweak your old life so it fits around Jesus. Let me say it as nicely as I can. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can't tweak or slightly modify your life. Jesus says, I came to give you a new life. You are a new creation. I, want, I don't want any of the old stuff even relatively close to where you were at. You're going to be completely and totally new. Forget trying to just tweak the old one. Here's a brand new one. The question is, will we receive it or not? Got a new life for us. Thirdly, well, there's the point right there. It paves the way for a new life. Ephesians 2 says this, Because of His great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. There's the new life. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, for it is by grace you've been saved. God's just got a thing for new. He loves making things new. He loves to regenerate old stained things and breathe new life into them. One element of the word regeneration in the original language is that it talks about the concept that happens 
that we don't even see prior to spring. Underneath of the ground, when nobody can watch, when it still appears to be winter everywhere, deep down underneath of it, God's already breathing new life. And one day, when we are depressed and down because it's raining again, new life just pops out of the ground. Can I tell you something? At Easter, new life just popped out of the ground. A regeneration, something new came, which was unbelievably good news to spiritually dead people. Out of the death of our former life, new life springs and flourishes and grows. And with it comes the next point in your outline. It's a new disposition. The Bible says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You know, I, I don't think I've ever made this a secret here. I used to struggle desperately with lying. Borderline pathological as a kid. But when I gave my heart to Christ, Seriously, in my senior year of high school, I mean, suddenly things just started changing. I mean, I, I, I didn't like to read a whole lot. Suddenly, I couldn't get enough of this ancient book that seemed to be re more relevant than anything that I ever read before. Suddenly, in, instead of wanting to lie, I just wanted to tell the truth. And people started asking questions like, what in the world is up with you? Where have you gone? You just keep disappearing all of the time. Now, Friday night, we used to know exactly where Grant was going to be. Now, you're just not doing that anymore. What has changed inside of you? Regeneration. Manifesting itself in sanctification, which is the ongoing work of this whole thing. And if you think this is good news, wait till next week. Sanctification is the ongoing work that allows this to continue more than just in the instant when the Holy Spirit does it. Suddenly, I'm walking different, I'm talking different, I'm acting different. My old stuff, it just doesn't appeal to any, me anymore because Jesus has regenerated a part of my soul, used to be dead, and now is alive. Where I used to be oppositional towards God, suddenly, I want more God. Continuously, perpetually. Finally, let's close with this one. Regeneration from the Holy Spirit paves the way for a new heart. Ezekiel 36 says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'd love to preach this point, but I'm not going to. Because I'm not the only one that's got a story. In fact, I'm going to invite Scott if he'll come and join me and Scott's going to sing his testimony for you. See, there was a moment in Scott's life when, when God just kind of pushed him to the side of the road and, and they had an encounter and the Holy Spirit breathed new life into a life that was not going the right direction. Scott had a face-to-face -face encounter with the great I Am and it changed everything. Because suddenly, God made available a new life, a new direction, a new disposition, and a new heart. Scott, would you sing for us, please?
was beaten down in sorrow I was full of self and pride I was building my foundations in the sand And I was fearing no tomorrow I was dying down inside I was nothing until I am And now in me You're living and I am free You've given all I need I was lost and couldn't see Until I am Until I am And I was blinded in the darkness I was thirsting in the heat And I was on roads that led to nothing but dry land and I was overcome in sadness I was humbled in defeat Yes, I was nothing Until I am And now in me You're living and I am free You've given all I need I was lost and couldn't see now in me, you're living and I am free. You've given all I need. I was lost and couldn't see. But you, you make all things new. Yes, you. You make all things new Yes, you You make all things new You strengthen and renew You make all things new So praise God from whom all blessings flow You took on flesh, now I know you Know how broken, sinful, lost I was. Now we praise you, for you loved us enough to come and die in shame. No other blood, no other name could cleanse my soul, could make me clean. So come lift up the King of Kings, because now in me, you're living and I am free. lost and couldn't see now in me you're living and I am free you've given all I need I was lost and couldn't see until I am Till I am, yeah. Till I am, yeah.
It's not a very pretty picture when this is the best we have to bring to God. Do our best over here just seem to kind of cloud the situation. And it's only when we give ourselves completely to the work of the Holy Spirit and He comes in and He does what we can't do for ourselves. And He cleans and regenerates and offers a brand new life. Because when He sees us, Snow White, brand new, not because of what we've done, but because the great regenerative work of I am. It's a gift. Will you take it? Would you pray with me this morning as we close? God, I have been struck by the beautiful words of Revelation where Jesus says, Behold, I am coming to make all things new. So God, I pray that we would be touched. God, for, for my brothers and sisters who've been doing this Christianity thing for a very long time, I pray that they would see the beautiful gift of new life that's been placed in them. God, I pray that they would celebrate and thank you for new life in Jesus, knowing that we were once dead, but now we can truly live. God, thank you for, for moments when, we are, when we're touched and transformed. God, I pray that we would choose to live white as snow, this coming week. God, for those who may be here and are still feeling unbelievably stained, not even sure of, of, of what their next steps are, God, I pray that they would know that the Holy Spirit is quickening inside of them new life. I pray that they would respond in faith and cry out to the great I am who has said, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things, old things are passed away. All things have become new. So God, may we live as regenerate people this week. People with new hearts, new dispositions, new attitudes, new words. God, may it flow out of us knowing that you've regenerated us. And we give you praise as the author of all good things and the regenerated, pure, and justified people of God agreed together and said, amen, amen.